0: We're going to dive right into the word, but before we do that, would you guys pray with me? Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. We thank you so much for who you are, God, in our life. God, we glorify you. We set you above everything else that might be distracting or pulling away from us. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're going to do your work. We know that you're going to lead us into all truth. Father, bring back to remembrance as well the things that you say and as we, uh, we dive into your word, God, we want to know you better. We want your word to go to work in our hearts. Search our hearts, God, and root out the things that don't belong there and help us replace it with your word and your truth, Father. As well, right now, as a church, Father, we lift up our nation of Canada. We thank you for this amazing nation that we can live in. We are grateful for what this can- country stands for and believes, Father. We thank you that you're going to continue to lead and guide and make available wisdom and knowledge to all of our leaders, God. We lift them all up, Father, that they would continue to, to run the race and, and lead this country into freedom, lead them it's built on your statutes, Father, built on your word, on these Christian principles, Father. And if there are leaders that, do, that want to detract from what your word says, if there's leaders that want to take this nation off course, Father, we ask that you remove them from office and you bring in people who are going to lead this country into freedom, into promise, into strength, Father, based on your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone in agreement said, Amen, amen and Amen and Amen. How many people brought their Bibles today? Like the real deal Bible. How many people brought the iPad Bible, iPhone Bibles? Right on, get the apps out. We're going to do some reading this morning. Title of the sermon today is The Comfortable Lie. The Comfortable Lie. I'm not talking about lying down for a Sunday afternoon nap. I think we're talking about, it sounds awesome by the way. We're going to talk today about uh, a lie that is very easy to fall into because uh, it's often wrapped in comfort. To live in the Western world, we value our comforts. (laughs) We often value them too much, to be honest. And I think there is some lies that get caught up in this idea of of comfort. And I know that the Word of God says Jesus did not come to bring us comfort. Comfort, (laughs) but he's come to bring us life. And I believe that as we dive into this, the reason why I'm using the word comfortable lie is is I I value language quite a bit. And I think for the most part, we all probably value language. But if we're not careful with the words that we speak and what we say and how we say things and when we say things, oftentimes truths can get covered or misrepresented, or truths can become. I, I view language almost like currency. And I think a lot of us can be sometimes too flippant with our language where we put out too many words, we're not really careful in what we say, and really at the same time we're devaluing the words that we speak. And there's tremendous value when it comes to what we say and what we speak. But oftentimes, I'm not sure if you notice, but how many people know someone who always tries to say some sort of saying, but they always get like one or two words wrong? <laughs> You guys know someone like that? It's like, you're close, I know what you mean, but you're not quite there. I don't know. There's a number of them I was reading, and I'm definitely subject to that, where you know you got the saying somewhere in the back of your brain, but you just can't pull out the words. Like, how many people have been saying for the longest time, for all intents and purposes? Well, it's actually for all intents and purposes. <laughs> There's things that kind of get messed up. Or how many people say, we've got to nip it in the butt? Yeah. It's nip it in the bud, just so everybody knows. (laughs) See, these little things can get lost in translation, but we pick up words and sayings which can potentially change meanings. And these are harmless. I I thought of, last night I was watching my son Gabriel, because... My wife, Danielle, she, one of her little habits she has is, is she loves to just go around and deadhead all of the flowers that we have and pull them. So Gabriel watches her all the time, and he'll follow her and go to the plant, but he'll just grab every alive flower he can and, and like, rip it off, right, and create more of that. And Anyways, I mean, wh- that's what made me think of that. Or this one, um, one in the same. How many people say it's one in the same? It's one and the same, just in case you know. Next one is how many people, well, I'll pick on Christians for a little bit, but how many people say the book of Revelations? Just <laughs> a personal pet peeve, there is no S on it, everybody. <laughs> John had one revelation, <laughs> okay? Not multiple revelations. The, the point I'm making in all this is that language is important, and a lot of times we pick up changes or nuances or we don't get, quite get it right, but actually when we start to re-communicate that, down the road or to other people is that things can get lost in translation. A great Bill Murray movie, Lost in Translation, happens all the time. But the reason why this can get dangerous is that when you live in a a culture where people are searching for, for truth, people are searching for meaning, people are looking to be kind and accommodate other people, is that a lot of times if we're not careful with our language, we can mince words, we can get mixed up in what the Bible says, we actually can misrepresent things that have been said. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to tackle five things that Jesus did not say. You guys okay with that? But I think a lot of us might think he said some of these things, because Really, this idea stems from with this comfortable lie is, I, I believe, it's our job, if I can be real honest with, with all of us, it's... If we believe in Jesus and we claim to have a relationship with Jesus, and if if you don't have one and you're visiting us for the first time, man, just hear me out. You're going to have an awesome time this morning. You're in the right place. I want to let you know that. And, And we believe that God is a God that brings life, that God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to be able to lead and guide us and all these things. So, But we're going to focus a little bit today on where some of these things go wrong because if you believe in Jesus, and we're also, at the same time, trying to live and navigate in, in a time where there's a lot of truths, or I'll call them non-truths, that are permeating our culture that people are trying to. If we don't know, if we're not disciples of God's word, Jesus says that, if you are my disciples, you will abide in my word. So as we go through this, there, I want us to be able to look at this idea that We as Christians, followers of Jesus, we need to know what the Word says. We need to know what His truths are that He says and not be mincing words just because we might not like confrontation or anything like that. Because the thing with the Word of God is the Bible will lead us to life. You guys believe that? The word of God is absolute truth. Months ago, I did a message called The Necessity of Absolute Truth. In a world where everyone is searching for their own truths is that we need to live in a world that clings on to the absolute truth of the word of God. And it's a Christian's responsibility, just so we all know, we've got the answer that people are looking for. If you've experienced hope and life in Jesus, you've got the answer that people are searching for in all the, the, the different places that people are looking for this answer. And it's interesting. If you have your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 2, verse 16. I said Revelation, not Revelations. I'm done with that one is that this is an interesting book of the Bible. A lot of times people just use it strictly for end times, but it's, it's way more than that. There are, it's a revelation of Jesus appearing to the Apostle John about the church and what they were going through approximately in the end of the first century after Jesus went, went to heaven. And the thing is, is Jesus is saying here, he's saying this verse in 2.16, repent. Or I will come unto thee quickly, and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Now that sounds aggressive, <laughs> right? A lot of times that can be misinterpreted about what it means. But what Jesus is doing here is that at the end of this time, is today, just like back then, the church was facing a crisis of morals. More and more, society had no stomach for the moral or spiritual absolutes that that Jesus represented. How many people know that Jesus has made some pretty strong, he's drawn some pretty long or strong lines in the sand? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. So he didn't say, whatever way you want to find your way to me, whether it's through other religions or your own works or whether it's through energies and stuff. No, he said, I'm the way. He is saying, every other way is wrong. So he's drawn some pretty strong absolutes. You guys agree? So Jesus did that. Back then is that what they were dealing with in the church, Where they were dealing with a lot of religious leaders at the time who were watering down Scripture to make it more accommodating for culture, to make people feel more accepted and and that it can just be whatever you want it to be. And Jesus goes and issues a firm warning to John saying, this has got to stop. We have to change this. And Or if we don't, I'm going to have to come quickly. And make this right. I'm going to have to come and save the church and, and reestablish. That's essentially what Jesus is saying here. And w- really what he's saying, we know it in, if you read in Revelation other parts. But he's saying as a Christian, neutrality is not an option. There, there is no watering down or accommodating. Now, here's the thing I want to make clear. Because I know I know what some of you are thinking right now. Because when you look at what we are are being challenged with in culture with the faith that we have in Jesus Christ and what he stands for, it is a clash with what culture wants to represent. And so there is this dichotomy of where we live amongst the culture, we live within this culture, but yet also at the same time we claim to have and believe in what Jesus came to establish. Now if you look in the Christian world, for lack of better analogies, you can use like the left and right spectrum. In the Christian world, you've got Christians who are So accommodating, so accepting, that whether they realize it or not, they're willing, or or they don't realize they are, they're watering down and compromising what Jesus has said in his word. For the idea of accepting, just making people feel welcome, and it's okay, you can do what you want. To be honest, for the sake of feelings, because you don't want to confront So there's that side of things, and and it's not ill intention. It might be good intentions I want people to feel love. You have one side. Then you have the other side, where it's like it's almost coming from this place of being condescending and angry, and how, how dare you even try to come against them. And there's this beat down that comes from Christians when it comes to what God says, and there is really what they're doing is, reaction is, they are probably getting a lot of people rejecting what they're saying because there's just not this feeling of love. But if we look to Jesus, Jesus did a way where he actually was able to do both at the same time. Jesus spoke truth, but he spoke it in love. See, love and truth have to work hand in hand. If you come with a heavy hand, simply truth, 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 is that more often than not, your message probably isn't going to be heard. But if you come just love, 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 accept, do what you want, follow your feelings, follow your heart, but there's no truth, you're going to fall into chaos. You're going to fall into anarchy. You're going to fall into complete, just whatever is relative to each person's own desires and feelings. And this is why we spoke a number of months ago on the necessity of absolute truth. So Jesus, So what I want to get to here in just a moment is I want us to realize that as a Christian, the truth sets people free. It doesn't mean it's painless though. You guys are quiet this morning. First was way more lively than you guys, just so you know. The truth sets people free. The truth, if we don't have an absolute truth from which we're clinging to, then there is no truth. But we know, as Jesus says, the truth is his word. And the truth is what's going to bring freedom for people who are looking for answers in all these different areas. So a couple of things in 2 Corinthians 10, it says here, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war in the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare is not flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. How many people in our world have built up strongholds in their life because they're looking for some sort of truth in their life? They built up strongholds. Well, the truth that you have has the ability to tear down strongholds in people's lives. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. The thing about the gospel is the gospel is confronting. you guys know that? Some people don't want to know that. I don't want to be confronted. Majority of people in our population, their attitudes and their personalities actually avoid confrontation. About 75%, the way that your, your disposition is, is that 75% of us in this room will want to avoid confrontation. We'll want to avoid that feeling of confronting or being confronted. So it's, in a sense, natural to want to shy away. But what I mentioned earlier is that we don't have a truth we don't have an option in our life to, to compromise truth. We don't have an option to be neutral in this world. So that's why it's our job as Christians to know the word and to know the scriptures. Because a lot of times if we hear portions of scriptures or other people twisting or using God's word, if you as a Christian don't know the word of God yourself, you might fall for that comfortable lie because it sounds good. You know, in a number of a couple of years ago, I'm not sure if you follow much politics or not, but there's a leader in the states, the governor of California, his name's Gavin Newsom. They actually went out on a campaign. Uh, they bought a, p- a public ad campaign on billboards, and they used scripture on the same billboard to justify abortion. Did you know this? So people who don't know the word will read that and how it's crafted and be like, that actually sounds kind of Right? giving people an option to do what they want. We believe in freedom, right? So if we don't know the Word, if we're not disciplined followers of the Word, we can fall for these comfortable lies. A vice President of the United States, in, during the uh, beginning of COVID, was using Scripture to try to convince people to go and get vaccinated. This is not an argument about whether vaccinations are right or wrong. It's the fact of people using Scripture to manipulate to get a result of something. But if we don't know the word or we don't speak truth to anti-truths, then what we're doing is we're actually accommodating just like that first century church was that Jesus came and warned so sternly about. The reason why I want to go this direction today The reason why it's so important to me and the more I'm diving in the scripture, I'm just feeling such a, a burning, to be honest, on my heart about this, is that there are people who are hurting and are broken and are looking for life, looking for truth, looking for meaning, looking for significance in every single area except for the word of God, except for what God says for whatever reasons, and it's leading people down a path of destruction. And there's a generation... Two generations, and, and I hate categorizing people just as generations, but typically, of people that are my age and younger, that seem to be doing basing their life purely on how they feel, and our feelings are so flippant that they change with the wind. Now, this isn't a criticizing of people and who they are, because these are people that God created, that God loves that God will do anything to get them back in their family. Our God's a God of second chances. Our God's a God of love. We've all experienced that if you believe in Jesus. But it's up to us as Christians to be able to speak truth in love without compromising what God's Word is saying. Why? Even though it might feel uncomfortable, this confrontation, this um, might feel controversial because... The greater public might feel certain ways, but it's up to the church and up to Christians to hold strong to what God's word says. You guys with me with this? We can do it, but we can do it in love. We can do it in a way that shows people that they're valued, that Jesus came to die on the cross for them, that Jesus, that's the gospel, that's the good news. doesn't matter how screwed up someone might be, as Jesus came and paid the price so that person can find truth in Jesus and find life. So enough of that. We're going to move to five things that I think culture thinks Jesus said, but Jesus never said. You guys ready for them? Number one, Jesus did not say, follow your heart. How many times do we hear that? Follow your heart. Follow your dreams. Follow your desire. Follow what you feel. Jesus never said, follow your heart. So what did Jesus say? Jesus said, follow your heart me Jesus said follow me in John 10:27 My sheep listen to my voice and they follow me So as Christians If we start using this language and even expressing our kids, oh, follow your heart, follow your dreams. Even though it might sound insignificant, is that if we aren't putting this truth into people's lives, no, we don't follow our heart because Jeremiah tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. That the heart is wicked. Who can understand it? What it's saying is that an unrenewed heart, meaning a heart that's not founded in Jesus and this scripture and who he is, your heart is going to go in all these crazy wild directions. Your heart's going to desire things because it's unredeemed. But when you have faith in Jesus and you plant your word, meaning your heart, your spirit is renewed, is that when our heart is rooted in God's word, is that we naturally now no longer are following what our random desires are, but we are following Jesus. Culture says, follow your heart. Jesus says, no, follow me. The beautiful thing what Jesus says, and we don't do this, and a lot of times I think in in, in Western comfort, Western Christianity, we a lot of times will do things because of what we can get out of Jesus to fill our comfort box, right? Right? Jesus, I don't really pay attention to him, but when I need something, okay, I'm praying. I'm getting on my knees. I'm seeking God. But really, when we are disciples of God's word and we are getting into his word and we're building this relationship, we actually move past all of that and we realize our desire and our purpose is actually to be in relationship, to follow Jesus like a sheep follow their shepherd's voice. We believe and we follow Jesus' voice. I'm gonna move on. So number one, Jesus did not say follow your heart. He said, Say to your neighbor, follow me. Number two, Jesus did not say, be true to yourself. You guys are so quiet today. What Jesus actually said is the opposite, right? Be true to yourself. How many times do we see that? What you Again, this comes down to the elevation of self. I'm elevating myself where I think I'm God of my life and I'm gonna do what I want. I'm gonna be true to who I am. Really what we're saying is, I'm going to be true to how I feel. Jesus never said that. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves. Interesting. And take up their cross, and here it is again, and follow me. Yep. Jesus never said, be true to yourself. Now this might be, how many people am I countering thoughts that you have right now? the Bible is offensive. Just can we get all on the same page with that? You guys okay with that? I get offended every single time I read the Bible. (laughs) Do you know why? Because it confronts me on things that I want to do on my own, and the Bible is there to bring truth and counter what I want to do on my own and actually lead me down a path that's going to bring me life. So it confronts me, And in a sense, it can be offensive. The scripture is, Jesus was offensive, (laughs) okay? Can we just like kind of get the taboo away from this word? (laughs) There were people that loved Jesus, and there were people that hated Jesus because of his message. When you follow the scriptures and what Jesus says and you follow the absolute truths, is that you are now making people make a choice whether they're going to accept and love what you stand for or they're going to reject what you stand for. And again, in Revelation, it talks about this idea of being a lukewarm Christian. We're neither hot, we're neither cold. Hot water has the ability to purify. It has the ability to be able to bring change. Cold water has the ability to refresh and, and, and to revive to life. But lukewarm water is, is good for nothing. See, when Jesus says this in his, in his vision to Paul, he's actually talking to the Laodicean church at this moment. And they understood this analogy because they lived just miles down from the spring and the water that they received at this city was lukewarm water. It was brutal water. It wasn't like the hot springs that were just outside the city and it wasn't like the cold, fresh water that the next city was receiving because it was closer to where it's, the spring was. It was lukewarm water. So what Jesus was saying is, you know what? It's not good to be lukewarm. I'll spit it out of my mouth because it serves no purpose. And I think a lot of times Christians, we want this idea, we're trying to play both sides of I want people to feel love and accepted, which is good, but at the same time by doing that, I'm watering down what God says because I don't want to offend them. I don't want them to feel like I'm rejecting what they feel or what they think. And then you have this other side, which is pure truth and pure law. And we might make people feel rejected, but we aren't doing without love. Jesus is a, there's a way to not be lukewarm, but to still show love. But the thing is, if you really love someone, like if you think of it, if you really love someone and you see someone going in a wrong direction, you are going to speak truth because you don't want to see that person walk down the path of destruction. So I would actually argue it's not love. To water down truth that you know and you found to speak into someone's life. Because you're actually putting yourself first because you don't want to feel this tension. You don't want to feel this, this potential conflict that can come up because you're trying to speak truth. Yes, there might be some sort of rejection. There might be some sort of breaking. But what you're doing is you're bringing the truth. Who knows? You're planting a seed that maybe someone else is going to help move down the, down the field in a moment. But if we really love people, we can bring them the truth. You know, there's this, um, if you know Penn and Teller, these magicians, um, I don't know where they stand with their faith at all, if they have it, but I know in the past they were atheists. But he made a line, and he's being interviewed, and it came out of a story of a man that was waiting outside of a show he did just to tell him how much Jesus loved him. And so that spoke to him. And in an interview after, I forget which one it was, it was either Penn or Teller, but he said, for Christians who actually believe that if you don't believe in Jesus, one day you will be in hell for eternity, if they don't come and tell someone about what they believe, how much do you have to hate someone to withhold the truth from them? So this idea of Christians not wanting to confront, and I'm not saying we hate people, I'm just saying what you're doing is you're saving yourself a controversy. (laughs) and really putting yourself because you don't want to be in an awkward position, and you're withholding truth from people who need the truth of Jesus Christ. They need the life of Jesus Christ. They need to experience the freedom. How many people in this room have been in addictions, have been in wrong relationships, have been in bad circumstances, and someone came and presented the gospel to you, and your life has changed, and you've now experienced the life of Jesus? Why? Because truth was confronted with you, and now it brought change into your world. So let's stop watering down what God says. Let's start taking a stand. Let's start being bold about what we believe because at the end of the day, this brings life, this brings truth, this brings freedom. God's word brings freedom. It's not about control. It's not about law. It's not about slapping people and make them feel rotten and dirty. No. Jesus said we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Every single person. We continually sin. We continually fall short. That's why we are continually being saved by God's grace. Jesus saved us and he's continually saving us with our faith in Jesus, which is a beautiful thing. So let's stop mincing words and feeling like we're doing a nice favor by not being as confronting. We can use God's word to bring freedom in love to people. That was a tangent. we got to get back on track, you guys. Number three, if you read a lot of self-help, help, help, help self Help books, you're gonna maybe love or hate this one. Jesus did not say, Believe in yourself. He did not say, Believe in yourself. What did, did, I, did I do this one already? Number three? Okay, sorry, got so much off a tangent, I forgot which one I went to. Jesus says in John 14, 1, Believe in me. And he goes, I am the way, the truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. What an absolute truth. So you got friends who's dabbling in other religions? Well, guess what? If you believe in Jesus, you got to listen. Hey, buddy. If you want to actually experience life, you want to experience freedom, what I know you're searching for, Jesus is the only way. I love the story of the Apostle Paul when he's speaking to the Greeks and, and, and he's all these different gods. And what is, he finds this one statue that literally says, the unknown God. So the Apostle Paul uses this as a way to come in to speak the language of the culture and says, you guys have all these gods, but let me talk to you about the unknown God. I know the unknown God. And he uses this sermon to come in and tell them about this God that they're all searching for. Notice he's not condemning them. He's not beating them down. But he redirects and says, this is the truth. This is the God you're looking for. So we have friends looking for something in a certain lifestyle. Listen up, friend. That lifestyle is not going to bring you life. It's not going to bring you freedom. What's gonna bring you freedom is going back to God's word and finding out who you are in Christ and following him, laying down ourselves. It's not a matter of what we prefer or what we want. We all lay that down. Jesus doesn't say only some of us lay down certain things that we have. He says, everybody lay down what you have and you follow me. So it's exclusive, but it's also extremely inclusive. It's not fair, but it's beautiful because through Jesus, we all have a shot, not through us. Amen? Amen. Bible, Jesus does not say, believe in yourself. He says, believe in me, because he is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's an absolute truth that we can never compromise on. We can, other religions aren't going to lead people to Christ. Other religions aren't going to lead people to Jesus, to eternal life. How good our works are, us doing the right prayers is not going to lead us to redemption. It's not going to lead us to salvation. Jesus Christ alone leads us to that. That's something that can never be watered down or compromised. Number four, Jesus never said, live your truth. Jesus said, if you abide in my word and you are truly my disciples, then you will Know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. It's this absolute truth of the Word of God that sets people free. It's the gospel, it's the good news. It's not up to us and how good we are, it's up to Jesus. This truth is what brings freedom to people wherever they're at. Live your truth is such a lie in our culture because really, all it is, it's relative. They're using the word truth, but really what they're saying is live by your feelings. Live by your opinion. If someone else has a different opinion, don't worry. That's not their truth. You can live by your truth. That is chaos. That leads us, that literally you will have civilizations that will come to ruin when that becomes rampant. And then we kind of see that in our age. It's happened multiple times through history, but we see this idea of accommodating and wanting people to feel loved, which we want to do, but I don't want people to feel loved in absence of truth because that's not love. That's a fake feeling, just so we all know. Jesus never said, live your truth. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And then he says, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth. So we might have salvation in Jesus and we experience his freedom and truth, but Jesus is even taking it one step further to abide in my word, live in my word. Jesus, the revelation of who Jesus is to us is his word. If you're a disciple of Jesus, if you say you're a follower of Jesus, well, Jesus gives us some requirements. Abide in my word, (laughs) live in my word. Let my word be the absolute truth in your life. The way I kind of view God's word in this great sea of life is that if you ever watch deep sea divers trying to set records, is that often, actually often, all the time, they will have a giant cable that will stem down hundreds of meters because as you get deeper and deeper, guys can become disorientated. Light becomes way less, it becomes darker, you can't see. And when this happens is that if you don't have that anchor that you hold on to, is that you can find yourself swimming any different direction. You might think you're going up and you're actually going down. I feel like life is the exact same thing with this absolute truth, is that the absolute truth is God's word, which is in the middle of this giant confusing thing we call life, and that when you cling to God's word, it's like you've got this harness attached. So currents and different things might try to bring you away. You might not know which way you're going, but all you gotta do is reach and grab that line, and now you know which way to go. That's what God's word is when we anchor our hearts to God's word. He never said, live your truth. The last one, Jesus never said was, as long as you are happy, that's all that matters. <laughs> Jesus never said that. And this really is true for this idea of, of, I'll call it comfort Christianity. I think a lot of times that comfort actually kills faith because we feel like, I'm not talking, it's, it's great that society advances and that we have longer life and that we can have a roof over our heads. That's fine. But the idea is, is that when we pursue comfort above all else, when we pursue these things, it really takes a place and nullifies our faith because we're elevating ourselves and things that we want, things that really make us complacent over Jesus. Everything, for the most part, are good things to pursue. But as soon as they take the place over Jesus in your life, they now become the wrong thing to pursue. As long as Jesus, number, what Jesus actually said in Mark chapter 8. So he never said, as long as you are happy, that's all that matters. What Jesus actually said was, what does, he asked the question, what does it profit a man if he gains the entire world, but he forfeits his soul? We don't have time today to study all of Mark chapter 8, but if you dive into it and read into it, you'll notice that Christianity, what it is about, it's not a religion to come and make you feel better and have the nice things in your life so you can live a normal, complacent life, which might have a nice car and a nice house. No, the purpose of Christianity, the purpose why God created us, the purpose why God sent his son to redeem us, your purpose is to be in relationship with God. That's your purpose. If you wondered why you woke up this morning, you woke up so you could be in relationship with God. Your greatest calling that you can fulfill in your life is to love Jesus. You guys hear me on that? It's not to be a great doctor. It's not to be an amazing mom. It's not to be a fantastic athlete. Your greatest purpose is to love Jesus, is to be in communion with him, is to abide by his word. When we understand that, we stop trying to chase for all these things which we inevitably put up in our life as gods that we end up worshiping. I'm not talking about getting down on hands and knees and singing songs about money and cars, but in a sense, we worship these things that we elevate above Jesus. Actually, not in a sense. I'm watering down my words. We worship things that we put above Jesus in our life. And if you want to live a life that you can stand and walk in love, you can speak truth, You can show people the life that you have been able to, and I'm not talking about like a nice life that's a standard in Western civilization. I'm talking about a life that is full of the glory and the power of God. A life that shows people true love, true joy, true peace in the midst of a storm. Notice storm, things happen. We need to abide in his word and be able to speak truth when situations arise. See, the craziest thing is that we are created as, we are created as human beings to worship. We are created to worship. And I believe if we're not seeking the divine, we will find everything else that we can worship if we're not seeking the divine. And we begin to worship that. And I want to remind you, after all I'm saying today, is that we as, as Christians need to be able to speak truth and love, but that comes out of a relationship with Jesus where you pursue Him where you abide in his word, where you know what he says so you don't get confused by what other people are quoting scripture, where when God's word becomes so true in your heart that when situations arise, this boldness arises within you. Why? Because you really love the person. You want to tell them something that you have found. If you found the most amazing treasure or you've seen the most amazing movie or had an unbelievable experience at a restaurant, we tell people about it. Why is it different with our faith? Because we're afraid to confront someone on it? We all have our, our favorite restaurants. It doesn't stop me from telling you about my favorite restaurant. <laughs> and then when you come experience my favorite restaurant, you'll realize this restaurant is the best restaurant of all restaurants. <laughs> I'm speaking metaphorically right now, but it comes out with our faith. Is that when we speak, we have the answer what the world's looking for. So it's never compromise, never back down. Don't be a jerk, but speak truth in love in all situations, in your marriage, to your kids at your workplace, to leaders who want to detract from what God wants in our life, to, to lifestyles, all these different things, we can speak truth in love. Jesus says we will be known by our love. I can keep going for hours, but we have to stop there for time's sake. Would you guys pray with me? Actually, if everyone could bow their heads and close their eyes. I want to give you an opportunity. If you do not have a relationship with God, you've heard me talk about this relationship, you've heard me talk about redemption, you've heard me talk about the gospel, the good news, which is what God sent his son Jesus for us. And If you don't have a relationship with God, maybe even if you had one before and you walked away or you feel like there's no way God can love you because you screwed up, whatever fence you've put between you and God or you feel is between, I want to let you know that that does not exist on God's part. God looks at you with so much love. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that he could be in a relationship with you. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to become perfect. You don't have to get rid of bad habits to have a relationship with God. He wants to be in a relationship with you right now. Why you were born today is to be in a relationship with God. And the way that we get into relationship with God is we do two things. Number one, we repent of our ways. All that means is, God, I can't save myself. I look to you to save me. I need your way. I'm choosing to change what I think is best, and I will follow you. It's a choice, that's number one. Number two is we speak, we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord of our life. And when you do those two things, notice there's no behavior modification, there's no religion involved, it is simply, God, I choose to love you, I'm in relation with you, and we speak it automatically your spirit becomes connected with God and come alive again. If that's you and you wanna make that decision, I'm gonna count to three in just a moment. If you're online, God knows exactly what you're deciding. If you are in a different site, there's gonna be a pastor or a leader on stage, just wave your hand there. But I'm asking no one to look around except for me. If that's you and you wanna start a relationship with God, would you raise your hand in one, two, three? Awesome, thank you. Thank you. Thank you back there. If you're online as well, God knows what you're deciding. I want you to know that. Thank you over there. If you're in a different site, thank you over there. Praise God. You know, you're making the best decision of your life. Don't let fear of the unknown hold you back. What you're doing is you're being restored back to how you were originally intended to live in relationship with God, not in religion with God. Praise God. We're going to pray together out loud. I'm going to ask everyone to repeat after me to pray with these people who are giving their life to Jesus. Dear God, I come before you in the mighty name of Jesus thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for forgiving me of all of my sins and for rising again today I choose to follow you and I declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior in the mighty name of Jesus everyone in agreement said amen and amen let's put our hands together for all those that made that decision